Wow. Hello, and welcome to Conversating with Carmen and Christina. I'm Christina. And I'm Carmen. And today we are going to talk about Bridgerton, the first two seasons. Now, fair warning, I am the only person who has watched all episodes of both seasons. Christina, how much have you watched? Okay, so season one, I watched episode one, and then I read the spoilers about the rest of the season and you sent me some really cool videos that had like highlights of the season. So I yeah, saw like the that. recap of season one. Right. Yeah. So, so that was done. And then I watched season two, episode one. And then again, I, I read the spoilers about the season. And the reason why I did not watch all episodes is because when I watched the first episode of both the seasons, I did like the show and I liked it enough to be curious enough to read the spoilers but I did not love it enough to watch every single episode fair enough and you know what I think Bridgerton is one of those shows where you either like it or you don't and I think one if you're a person I don't know because you don't you're not really a historical like a period piece kind of person or like do you like romance I like Days of Our Lives. That's a soap opera. There's romance and soap operas. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's a difference between like something having romance and like the, the primary drive being the romance. I don't know, but because you like stuff like Arrow, you like Prison Break. I don't know if, is, is, if romance is really like your genre. Um, I don't know. Ugh, romance, like without other stuff like action and, 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 and things of that nature happening as well. Like, yeah, I love Arrow and there's romance there, but there's also a lot of like shooting arrows at the bad guys and whatnot. So yeah, I'm not sure if just straight romance without other things happening is right. really what I enjoy most. Um, and then as far as historical stuff, I love time traveling shows and you see some history because they visit the past. Okay. So historical aspect I, I enjoy because like I love like Legends of Tomorrow and Timeless and um shows like that but just stuck in the past like historical thing where like it's only the past yeah that's that's not really my thing really it's so interesting when people feel that way because it'll be like stuck in the past but I'm like but when we watch contemporary shows we're just stuck in the present well that's true but I like that. But there are some shows that do go back and forth, though, mm -hmm. that I, I enjoy. Like, even when they're not time traveler shows. But, for example, like, um, This Is Us and Promised Land. Those are shows where they have storylines that take place in the present. But then they have storylines involving the same family that... Um, are in the past or this is us does the future as well and I think that's kind of cool I mean it's not this I don't know what what is considered historical because like for example with promised land and this is us they do scenes going back to like the 80s and 90s or whatnot um but does historical need to be like hundreds of years ago or can it be just like 20 30 40 years ago so technically I think um period is I want to say 20 years or so like for example if you know, Turning Red, that the movie we watched was set in like the early 2000s. I think that's considered period now. That makes me feel 
old. It's so old. But you think about it, enough was different in that time period when you think about, you know, clothing and styles and even like technology, you know, like, can you imagine, like, I remember the cell phones, you know, of the early 90s, you know, those big old blocks that people were walking around in, you could not shoot, you know, a movie or shoot a show about the 90s with the cell phones that we use now, because they would be, you know, they would be too small, it would stick out. So, um, yeah, so I want to say it's about 20 years that can be considered period. Wow. Okay. So I guess that's similar to the timeline of like, when you're listening to the radio and then they're all like, yeah, this is an old school jam. And then you hear something from like, when you were in high school and like, you're like, what do you mean? This is old school. Like, um, excuse me. (laughs) You know what? So I sidebar, I've gotten onto TikTok late recently, um, because it's entertaining and you know, why not? But I follow a lot of the people who do like the music things like, oh, do you know these songs from like the 50s or 70s or whatever? And then they start doing songs that turn 20 in 2022. And it's like all of the stuff of our childhoods. And I'm just like sitting here just, okay, fine. <laughs> no, no, you know what actually was even more distra- distressing? Somebody said, I think it was like a teacher that told them that a young kid said, pointed out that they were born in the late 1900s. Oh, okay. So I was born in the 80s. So that makes me born in the late 1900s? Yes. Oh, well. Basically, we were born in a different century. No matter how you put it, like when I think, you know, 1900s, I think like the early part, you know, I think like 1900s, like 1910s, 1920s, People start talking about, oh, you were born in the 1900s. Wow. Yeah, I saw somebody on the internet and and they were talking about, oh, like I went to like get carded and the person just saw like, they didn't see the entire birth year. They just saw like the 19 part and they were like, oh yeah, you're good. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, that's true. Because anybody born anytime in the 1900s is, of drinking age or older much older (laughs) I wow yeah so as we let that sink in um I was going somewhere with this 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 point oh yeah period Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah no it's interesting you make the point about how you like time travel and you like things that kind of switch back and forth and I think I'm the opposite I think I'm a person who tends to prefer to stay in the time that we are there. Like, unless maybe it's a, maybe a specific, you know, like, okay, we're going to another time and then we're coming back. I, I don't always like switching back and forth between, you know, multiple time periods and multiple storylines. Usually, and actually, and I don't know if that's just a case of, I prefer it set in one, you know, time or if it's a matter of execution. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, the only thing with execution that I've noticed occasionally with jumping back and forth is sometimes some shows when they do show a different time period with the same characters, sometimes the casting is really weird. We're like, oh, that's really supposed to be believable. That's the younger version or older version of, of this same person. 
Um, so for me, that's kind of the only thing when you're jumping around and, and using the same characters with different actors that kind of is a little wonky sometimes. But other than that, I, I enjoy jumping around. I think for me, it's usually because there's one storyline that's more interesting. And so when you're in that other storyline or that other timeline, sometimes it's just a matter of like, okay, how long until we go back to whichever time period was more interesting? Mm, okay. All right. Well, then I, I have some shows that um, I would like to introduce you to, but th those will be whole different episodes. We can get into that now. We're going to get back to Bridgerton, which takes place. Um, what 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 year is this supposed to be? So this is the Regency era, um, and this is kind of a common thing that uh, that romance authors will write. It's kind of just like a general period, and we talked about it on the first show. And now let me look it up because I have forgotten, but. It is while we keep talking. So a lot of times you'll you'll find that like romance authors will just write about, you know, or just set their stories in like this Regency period, which I guess, I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it just makes sense for certain periods, but that's what we're in. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know exactly how accurate this show is with the Regency era, as far as like how everything looks and whatnot. No, but I not will at all. this. <laughs> But, but I will say that with Bridgerton, it's not supposed to be. Okay, so wait a second. So Regency era is a period toward the end of the Georgian era. Um, and this was not as helpful as I thought it was going to be. Oh, some are longer than the formal Regency from 1811 to 1820. Definitely thought that that was going to be longer. Some say... 1795 to 1837. Okay. Yes, we'll go from that. Well, alrighty then. Sorry, <laughs> back to what you're saying. Oh, no, I was just gonna say that, you know, I, I'm not sure how accurate it is. Um, you say it's, it's not accurate and I'll, I'll take your word on that because I know out of the two of us, you know more about historical stuff. But I really enjoyed looking at, at just visually how the people looked with what they were wearing. I thought a lot of these dresses were so beautiful. And, and I love that and just the, the architecture and everything with the scenery and, and just everything that I could see on screen was just so visually appealing. I, I loved looking at it all. It's so funny because I follow some historians or um, some costumers or people who really know uh, historical clothing. And so one of the common complaints that people will talk about is, oh, this is not accurate. Oh, they did not wear this type of corset or this type of stay or like the dress wasn't, you know, cut in this type of way or, oh, these colors are too garish. But I think the one thing that people have to realize is that when it comes to historical, you know, period pieces, these are not documentaries, you know, and it's about, these are costumes. And so, yes, they are, I think, Regency flavored as opposed to actual, you know, accurate, you know, uh, authentic Regency era clothing, but that's all a part of the style that we get. And Bridgerton, I mean, it's based off of romance novels. So it's kind of supposed to be about this, this whimsy. I mean, really for historical accuracy, it's about as accurate, I think, as Grey's Anatomy is with, you know, surgery and hospitals. Like, that show is all about sex and surgery, and this is kind of all about sex in the Regency era. Mm. Okay. Well, Grey's Anatomy, I will say, I believe that it is very accurate, 
because, you know, I'm a medical expert because I watch so many episodes of Grey's Anatomy. I basically am a surgeon. So I say it's accurate. But one of the interesting things, though, I'm, I'm joking, everybody who's listening. I am joking about that. She Not is, about- but I am convinced that I could at least be <laughs> happy if I had to. Well, I remember in an earlier, why are we getting on this tangent? But I remembered in an earlier episode, some of the interns did like try to do that on themselves and each other and whatnot. And, yes. and so, I mean, if those interns can, then surely you can as well. Um, but no, seriously, folks, do not try that at home or anywhere else. We are not advising anyone to, to do appies who are not medical doctors. Um, <laughs> but one of the, the differences though, between the realisticness of a show like Grey's and the realisticness of a show like Bridgerton is that with Grey's, like there really are surgeons who can watch it and be like, hey, this is right, this is not right. But with Bridgerton, there's nobody who is alive now, who was alive back in the Regency era, who can say, this isn't how we did things. Cause right. you know, that just isn't possible. So I, I think that kind of gives people who do period pieces that are set hundreds of years ago, a little bit more freedom to, to do what they want because I mean there's nobody I mean who can actually say like I was there and that's not how we do it like they can say well oh I'm a historical person who has this degree and that degree and I studied this for whatever but they weren't actually there and I think that makes a difference with somebody actually being there right I think really it's just when you come into certain like this is tv these are fiction and even if you're watching um, period dramas that are based on on real people it's it's a tv show and its first purpose is to entertain and it needs to have a style and that style is going to be dictated and it's going to service the story you know if you watch uh the great which is something that i have yet to show you that costume design is, is is very different but it services the story that it has to tell. And I think that Bridgerton um, does that very well. It sets up, you know, the time period, it sets up the theme, and it also helps distinguish between the different families and what you're seeing. Because like the Bridgertons and say the Southertons. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like even though, um, you know, I, I did not watch every episode from what I did see, whatever inaccuracies may be there as far as like historically what was really happening, it is not distracting for me, the average viewer who is not a historical expert. There's nothing happening where I'm like, oh my goodness, he has his iPhone in the 1800s. Like, no, like there's nothing that's just over the top, you know, distracting. So, I mean, it was cool for me and and I liked the way everything looked. Now, as far as the characters and the storylines. Yes, let's talk about them. Okay. <laughs> so um, season one, episode one, we discussed in depth in an earlier episode. So if you <laughs> haven't listened to that one yet, check it out because we talk all about season one, episode one. So overall, and I don't even remember like what exactly I said and didn't say. So my bad if I'm just repeating myself, but (laughs) the, um, the main character, the girl, Daphne, uh, Daphne from season one, I did not really care for that character very much. The new main character girl from season two, Kate, I, immediately liked her a lot more like even just her very first introduction when she was riding that horse 
with with I, I think it was like a green cape as opposed to like a, a red cape. So it wasn't like a little red riding hood, but that green cape and just yeah. riding that horse. I was like, yes, this is a really cool introduction. Like even before she speaks, it just speaks of her like adventurous spirit and how she's the type to she may go against some rules and whatnot because women aren't supposed to just be riding horses by themselves and whatnot. So I just immediately liked this character. So the first time I saw her. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely a difference between Daphne and Kate um, that stands out. So, and I'm trying to look up here to make sure I get her name right. Um, the actress who plays Kate Sharma is played by um, Simone Ashley. And do you remember, can you think of what other show that we've watched together that you've seen her on? Um, I don't recall ever seeing her before in anything. I did not know this until it was pointed out and she was in Sex Education. Oh, was she the pretty girl who, who like said something about like a sandwich or, or something? She was part of the mean girl clique. Like she's not the head mean girl, but she was part of the clique. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. And it's so funny because, so apparently we were discussing this, how um, both her and, I'm going to d- destroy her name, Sharithra, who mm-hmm. plays Edwina, I think both auditioned for Kate but they chose Simone and then offered the part of Edwina to, um, to, to, to Sharithra, which makes sense because I feel like even though they're close in age, you know, Sharithra, she looks just more naive and innocent and Kate. And this is one thing that I think why I liked her more than Daphne. She just looks womanly. Like she looks mature. And, um, and then I was like, well, maybe it's just, you know, I'm sure it's just styling and whatever. And then when I saw that picture of her in sex ed, and I was like, oh my God, she literally was just playing a teenager. It's mm. amazing, the transformation. Wow. That is so interesting. I definitely agree with the casting though of Simone playing the older sister and then Charissa playing the younger sister, because even without knowing their ages, Simone, she just she does have that more like maturity and, 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 uh, and just there's something about her that, that does seem older. Yeah. And, and, and Charitha does just kind of seem more innocent and, and naive and, and, and not, I mean, that's just kind of not saying anything like necessarily like good or bad or about anyone. I mean, I, I don't know these women personally, <laughs> but it's just like looks wise, you know, I think it, it just the way that the two of them look um, the casting, was perfect. And then I, I did look it up because I, I was curious. So in real life, Simone is two years older than Charithra. It looks like Simone is 27, Charithra is 25. So there is, you know, a couple years age difference. Although we know that there have been many things where somebody may be playing older or younger. So it doesn't really matter, but exactly. definitely, you know, visually and just kind of like their vibe and essence, like it just seems to work with, with, yes that particular casting. So I thought that was a good choice. And like I said, I think one of the things that it took, I like Daphne from, you know, season one, it did take me a little bit longer to kind of buy into her as a heroine because she kind of has this kind of daintier, young, naive kind of personality and kind of look. And so when you're putting her up against Simon, like this is kind of like a strong, virile looking man. And I'm like, 
it, it kind of like almost pairing it with a child. It was just sometimes it got to be kind of uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, especially when they started getting intimate. Whereas Kate, I never felt that, you know, from the beginning. And so the other thing you mentioned costumes, one thing that I loved about season two, I loved how they did not just cast, you know, this Indian woman as the love interest, like they brought in her culture, like they were from India, they, you know, kind of brought in some traditions and the clothing, the costume design was just so rich and colorful. I wanted so many of those outfits and they all looked so good against her skin. Yes, I agree. That's definitely one of the things that I loved about the show and really makes me want to go to um, the Bridgerton experience. Did you hear about the live events they're doing? I have. Wow, that looks like fun. And it looks so beautiful with like the way everything is set up with the decorations and the costumes that people are wearing and I would love to go to something like that or maybe even host my own Bridgerton party and get all dressed up like as if I'm in the Regency era. That would I don't be know fun. if you could host it though, like because somebody's going to ask you some question about the midseason or you're just going to admit, well, I just saw the first two episodes and read the spoilers and then keep no. Well, I mean, I think honestly, like with like my friends that I would invite, I would just be like, I like the way the show looks. So... <laughs> So we're going to have these decorations and costumes and it's just going to be like a fun, festive thing because I like the way it looks. But as far as the show, I'm not doing this because I'm a super fan and we're going to sit around and talk about the show like in all the little details. It's just going to be like, hey, this will look really cool. But the only thing (laughs) that um, this may sound so sexist, but I have a feeling that like all my girlfriends would probably be like, yeah, that sounds like so much fun. Let's get some pretty dresses. But then my guy friends might be like, where am I going to get uh, 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 those trousers and, uh, and, and jackets yes. and, and things that, that those men from, because I feel like as a woman, it's so easy to like get those pretty ball gowns, even if it's not exact Regency, but just like a super pretty ball gown or whatnot. But with a guy, like, where would you get that stuff? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I think that's why like watching the courtship has been fun because you're seeing, it's not just the girls who are dressed up. It's, you're also seeing the guys in this gear and uh, it's, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I do enjoy seeing that, but they have costume people who provide their wardrobe. So in real life, I don't know how I'm going to do a party like this. Oh, well, if I figure it out, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know I would be totally unstoppable like I'm going full out there's going to be a gown I'm coming in my fake British accent and I will be talking as if I'm one of the ton and as if I am looking I'm on the marriage market and I need to find oh god this this sounds terrible oh my goodness oh you just added like a funner aspect to it like imagine if I had a Bridgerton theme party And it was kind of like a real life dating show. Like, hey, like guys, girls, just only invite single people. And okay. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't really going for the dating era, but the dating angle, but I think that could be fun. I mean, at least just to go and have a low-key time and just be silly. That could be fun. Yeah. And it's like so out of the ordinary. Okay, cool. All right. So Back to this show, Bridgerton. Yes. Now, um, overall, season two, I did enjoy more than season one because 
the lead girl I did like more than the lead girl from the first season. Right. Now, as far as the guys are concerned, though, I really did enjoy looking at um, the guy from season one. I thought he was very good to look at. The guy in season two, he's all right. But the season one guy, I was disappointed that I didn't get to see him at all because even the girl from season one, she popped up a little bit in season Mm -hmm. two. But the season one dude, he was like, "Mm, I, I, I ain't coming back. I got other things to do. Right. Well, honestly, like his story was finished, so they could have probably maybe found ways to have him back, but to do what, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessary to have him come back, but it would have been nice to see. He, he was nice eye candy. I will say, and I don't, you may not have seen this guy because I don't know if he's in the first episode, but the black boxer came back. Well, he's not a boxer now and he is fine as all get out. And I was worried when I heard that, uh, you know, Rege or the the Duke wasn't coming back because he's primarily his friend, but he was there and he was looking good this time all in all suited up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciated that. Um, I I need to see more of that. Okay. So at least that's someone to look at. But you, you mentioned the part about like the guys, Anthony's annoying. And Anthony was annoying last season and Anthony was annoying this season, but I do think that they did a good job of humanizing him. And I think Kate was his ideal match because she didn't take any of this crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in the first episode, one of the things that I liked was when she overheard him talking to his boys about the type of woman he wanted. And the things he was saying was like, not the type of thing that he would have just directly said to her, but she overheard it. And I really appreciated that. Like she immediately told him what she heard because I felt like there's other types of characters who they wouldn't have said nothing to him about it, but she, right. she told him. And, well, you know, I, I like that about her. I think that Kate is a person, she was there on a mission and she was there to serve a purpose. And that was to find, you know, a husband for her sister, see her sister safely married off so that, you know, she and her mother would be provided for. And then Kate, who had no such protections, could go off and, you know, be independent and, uh, and become a governess. But she was very serious about getting her sister what she needed. Um, so I don't know, how much do you, did you know about like the secret and, you know, not telling Edwina and her family about things or like, you, you know about that part, right? Right. And I, I did appreciate what she said way back in episode one. I thought it, it made sense when she told Lady Danbury, like, I do not want Edwina to know about this, how she needs to, you know, marry up for financial reasons for the family, because I, I don't, I want her to be able to choose somebody for love. I don't want, I don't want her to, to choose somebody because of these family obligations. And I know the type of person she is. And if she knows about this and she's just going to, you know, say yes to the first, you know, rich guy that asks, and I don't want her to do that. So I thought I, I like that about her and her reasonings for doing that. And that's why I think because we've seen all of this, the sacrifice that she has made, it kind of pissed me off later when, okay, so after everything comes to light, you know, you, they have that moment where Edwina and Anthony are about to get married and then the bracelet falls and, you know, she just realizes, finally, like, I don't understand how she missed it. And I think she even says later, like, 
was I this blind the whole time? But when it, everything finally comes to light and she's really angry with Kate and, you know, rightfully so, because she was just kind of humiliated and lied to, but the way she kept coming at her sister about, you know, you're a liar and I'll never be able to trust you. And, you know, you made me live your fantasy and I, I'm going to be my own person. It just felt after a while, I was like, really, really girl. Like the only thing that Kate ever did was try to secure your future. So writing to the grandparents was about making sure that you had a dowry so that you could be married and also so that the mom would be taken care of. Nothing that she did was going to benefit Kate. Yep. Yeah. And, and Edwina, I guess it was, you know, kind of selfish of her to behave like that towards Kate because, but I mean, I guess also though, even though it was kind of selfish, like just thinking about her feelings in that situation and not taking into consideration what this whole situation was doing to Kate and how Kate was sacrificing like her own happiness and, and potential marriage and love and everything to just focus on Edwina. Edwina was getting like some new information all of a sudden that was like new to her, even though there was some things that everybody else saw, like, okay, everybody else sees that this guy's in love with Kate, but she didn't see it. So like just kind of getting all of that all of a sudden, um, like on your wedding day, (laughs) that is, that is kind of a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I completely understand being upset, you know, and and I think it's, it's almost worse. The fact that you didn't notice it's your sister, everybody knows this, like it's, it, it's just kind of this big, huge thing, especially after Anthony's already made this big speech about, you know, it's not about love. I understand you, we can be a good pair, but love is not really on the table, but you know that he has these passionate feelings for your sister. You know, that's kind of a hard thing to struggle with. Um, I don't know. So if you were Kate and you were locking eyes with Anthony, the Viscount, the annoying but rich Viscount, would you have told Edwina about the feelings between the two of you? Yes, I I would have. Like from the very beginning, I would have told her like, look, this one right here, I'm interested in him. Now I will help you find any other rich man here. There was other rich men that could have taken care of the family and, and fulfilled the obligations with, with the grandparents or whatnot. Plenty of them. I'd be like, but I'll help you find another one. In Kate's defense, she was trying to push Anthony away. Because in the beginning, I honestly think she did not like him. There was a spark of something that I think she felt was dislike. You know, he was kind of, he, he's kind of a louse. And so, and she did say, no, stay away from my sister. Edwina, this is not the one. And she was trying to introduce him to other men and Anthony keeps interrupting and inserting himself into the situation. So she did. And it's not as if because of her play, her position in society, it's not like she was a viable mate for Anthony. So for her to say, hey, go find another guy because I want this one. Realistically, that would not have happened. Mm. well if it was me I don't care if society says that I'm a viable mate for him if I'm having feelings for him there's no way I'm gonna watch my sister be with him nope no sir Mm -mm. I mean sister can be with someone else 
I definitely agree with that. I do think after a certain point, and I think, and she was getting ready to tell her sister actually after they went to that country estate. And she was like, look, I have something to tell you. And that's when Anthony broke out with the ring and proposed. Mm. I, I think like halfway through the season is when I would have told like, Hey, look, um, just so you know, I don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of flirtation happening this way. It's making clear. Like, I know, I don't want my sister being with somebody who is also flirting with a sister. Cause to me, that's in bad taste. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So yeah, that, that, that storyline. Ooh, we, I, I, I didn't like that whole aspect of that love triangle with the sisters. It did make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and both of the girls were likable. So it's like, okay, I, I want Kate to be happy. I want Edwina to be happy, but to have them, them both of us in this triangle with this man. And it's like, oh, there's so many other men, like, please girls, like, ah, oh, I, I didn't yeah. like that. I have, and, and maybe like, I relate a lot to Kate, I think too, as an older sister and I have a younger sister. So just that kind of dynamic, the idea of sharing a guy with my sister in any sort of way just feels very squicky. So no. Yeah, I agree. So that part of the story, I, I did not like, but I mean, I did like that Kate ultimately ended up with him because from the very first meet cute, I mean, it was like, okay, obviously these two are supposed to be together and somehow they will be. So that I liked. And so that was, you know, what happened with the main couple that was being focused on. But there were some other characters that had some interesting things going on, like Penn. <clears throat> yes, let's talk season about Penn and Eloise. Mm, okay, so season one, I liked Penn. Mm-hmm. season two I didn't like her anymore <laughs> why not uh, you know multiple reasons one of the reasons was um season one I really liked the relationship with with Penn and Eloise I, I thought their friendship was cute um but then season two like it, it didn't seem like Penn was being a very good friend to Eloise and um you know so I, I didn't like that and I don't know, like the, the whole thing with, with Penn and, and, and being the, what is she called? The lady whistleblower? Lady Whistledown. Lady Whistledown, yeah. Um, <laughs> that just seemed kind of like, okay, season one, I, I kind of liked it. But then season two, I'm like, what is this? Like, she kept like trying to get validation through what she's writing from Eloise. And then Eloise is telling her, you know, different different things like, oh, well, I'd like it better if it was like this or like that. And she was just focusing so much on, you know, what she was writing. I don't know, it was just kind of odd to me. I, I don't know, I just, I just didn't really like the character as much. I think in the book series, and I haven't read the books, but I think that they did not reveal who Lady Whistledown was for like four books. But I think that they did it early here because, you know, spoilers, they didn't want, you know, so we, we just kind of have to move up the reveal. I do think that they spent a lot of time on on Lady Whistledown stuff in season two. And I think it suffered for, from that a little bit. And because it all, the other problem is that it makes the girls 
like their only personality traits are Lady Whistledown stuff and feminist stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of them could be so much more beyond that. But I'm hoping that with the end of the season, with them having this big fight, with them kind of parting ways, um, I'm hoping that it'll force them next season to grow and to expand a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. And I would like for Penn to have somebody because I do think it's sad that like, okay, she is like the the wallflower, the invisible girl, the one that just kind of sits on the sidelines and watches everybody else. And she's able to write what's going on with everybody because people don't pay her no attention. She could be, you know, standing right there and they don't really notice. And, and that is sad. And I would like for her to have somebody. And I am curious what ends up happening. Like, does she get a, a real love story that's not like an unrequited thing, but a, a, something real? Like, I, I do want that for her. I think, um, and again, this is what I've just been able to piece together. I, I, do, I do feel like she does, I don't know if she ends up with Colin or they become a thing or something. If they do, which is like, they've kind of gotten so much of the narrative that like, I wouldn't be surprised if they do um, get that, inf- if they do end up as a couple. What I do hope is that she gets courted by some other guys first. Mm. Because, um, and I don't remember how, I don't know how much your spoilers would have told you, but there was a, a moment in the final episode where Penn overhears Colin talking to the other boys and they're like, oh, you know, you and um, you and Penelope Featherington, he was like, no, guys, please. I would never seriously, date, like I would never date Penelope. And she's just heartbroken and runs away. Mm-hmm. And I want her, I want her to experience, you know, some romance and having some male attention from somebody other, you know, from somebody who sees her as, as who she is. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. Yeah, okay. so those characters, oh, oh my goodness. And then the Feathertons, oh my. Yes. So, yeah, so this guy, you know, in episode one, you see him coming because he's now the new like man of the house type of thing i guess you always have to have a man lord featherton yeah and he's horrible and it's it's so interesting because at first like you're not sure we're good like he seems like a decent guy just young you know he's out he's 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 courting ladies he's courting cressida which probably should have you know sent off signals because cressida is horrible and then oh my god he just is awful Mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's almost, I don't know whether I admire or despise Lady Featherington for the way that she handled him. Ooh, I mean, in some ways she's kind of horrible too, but then, I mean, ultimately what she ends up doing, I mean, honestly, like, okay, back in those days, there were so many there were only so many options you had as a woman to take care of yourself and your children. And especially like if your husband has passed away and and you don't have another husband and you don't have a son and it's just you and daughters. I mean, there's only so much to do. So, I mean, I kind of feel like ultimately she did do what was best for her and her daughters because there, there wasn't much else to do back in those days. I think that her, the way she finally dealt with him about, like, no, I'm not going to America. You are going to America. And oh, by the way, 
we signed these documents and we're keeping the money and you're just going to go and whatever. Smart. She was able to kind of, she kind of played him like a string. The only area where I think I get a little bit like, mm, I don't know if I can cheer you that much. She was the one who had the idea to defraud the people in the first place. So on one hand, it's like, oh, yay, she's smart. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, you're kind of a shyster. And if it was not about to go back on you. You would continue being a shyster. And you were very keen to um, take advantage of Colin Bridgerton once, you know, their, their, their news issues kind of got cleared up or differed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I the first time I started not liking Lady Featherton was way back in season one when she was like looking at Marina's sheets and 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 you know Marina that was the girl the name of the cousin or what was her name? Yeah, Marina. You know, okay, yeah. When she was looking at the sheets and like, oh well, you know, are, are you pregnant? And 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 you know, the whole way she was just nosy in her business and then how she dealt with everything with that and I, so. It's been quite a while. I haven't liked her, but um. <laughs> you know, I, say, I don't necessarily blame her for that because Marina was a young girl in her care. Um, you know, it was the the maid who came to her and was like, um, "There's no bleeding." So, and and at that point in time, having a young unmarried girl in the house would not only have just tainted Marina; it would have tainted all of the daughters. But she didn't put Marina out. She was like, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to lie." and act like you are not pregnant and we are going to get you married off as quickly as possible. And then you are just going to act like a uh, baby's a little big, baby came a little early. I don't know. Well, so I guess, you know, for starting way back in season one, this was a character that she just did what she had to do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know, I, like I said, I appreciate that about her. I, I think maybe it's just, I don't always agree with her her methods mm. yeah like sometimes she just yeah. goes a little, little too far she just steps a little far over that line yeah mm-hmm. definitely dishonest deceitful but definitely she's she's one of those people that's saying um use everything to your advantage she a, a, everything she can like okay i'm gonna see how this can be advantageous to me <laughs> yes although it you look at her daughters and I'm like, how did such a, well, actually I was going to say pen. Cause I was gonna say, how did such a scheming woman raise such different daughters, but pen holds her secrets close and she doesn't really respect Penelope. I think she sees her as kind of, you know, the weak link of all her daughters, but mm. they have more in common than she knows. Yep. They sure do. So I, the only other thing that was interesting, and I'll say the last thing about Penn and, and Eloise, was when the queen came and was like, hey, your lady whistle down. And if you don't, you know, agree to work for me in three days and confess, I'm going to ruin you. And I was like, whoa, lady, you are kind of intense. Mm. Yeah. And, and also something about Penn and Eloise also is that I feel like, I don't know, like I kind of think Penn had good intentions when she like put um, Eloise's business in the, the whistle down paper. 
because she wanted to make it clear like okay this is not Eloise writing this but at the same time it's like okay this is your best friend and you just put her business out there and this is business that she could get in a lot of trouble for like right that I, I I don't think that was a good idea I I do think that she chose something because it had to be something that was convincing enough that it wasn't you know Eloise because if she had just wrote written you know something like oh my god did you see Eloise Bridgerton's dress like okay please anybody could have you know would, would, would have said that but it had to be damaging enough I felt for her in that moment I I really did and I I see both perspectives Somebody did say that they um, they stopped liking Eloise or they thought that Eloise was really wrong for going in Penn's room and just like looking for proof of that she was Lady Whistledown. Mm. And I was like, I have to tell you, once she had the inkling that Penn was Lady Whistledown, especially after what was said, written about her in that paper, I'd have torn the room apart too. Right. I mean, what Penn said you know, obviously this is going to cause problems for Eloise and she knew it. And it's like, okay, yes. If, if everybody thinks that Eloise is, is whistled down, that would cause problems for her, but what you're writing in the paper is going to cause, cause problems too. So it's like, you got to figure out a different way. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting at the end where after, you know, um, cause after Penn wrote what she wrote about Eloise, she stopped writing and then after they had their big fight, she picked up her pen again. And for a while, we hear the lady whistle down um, voiceover as Penelope writing. But then it switches back to that voice, which I think is voiced by Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where this, how, how this develops. I just want them to develop the girls outside of, you know, rah-rah feminist and, you know, sneaking lady whistle down. Because I think there's more to explore there. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Is there anything else that we missed that we want to talk about? Um, hmm. I think I pretty much said everything that I wanted to say about it. Okay. So then, you know, we'll just wait for season three where I can watch the season and you can watch the first episode and then read all the spoilers. Yeah. And you know what? If that first episode turns out to be something I really love then maybe I'll actually watch every episode but yeah otherwise I'll just check out the first one and then uh, get the spoilers it's interesting because I really thought that you would like this one more than like at least enough to watch a couple I don't know I thought that the at least I thought the allure of Kate would be enough well I mean yeah, I like her, but uh, I don't love her. <laughs> I mean, hey, if, if it ain't your thing, it ain't your thing. Right. You know, it's okay. I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna keep, as long as we keep coming back, I'm gonna work my magic. Okay. <laughs> you were so patient. So cute. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been enough for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, if you want to follow our discussions. And now that I've finally watched everything, I can start tweeting about it from our account. Uh, you guys can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Carmen and Chris, that's C-A-R-M-E-N-A-N-D-K-R-I-S. And you can follow me personally at Carmen Bree on Twitter, and that's C-A-R-M-E-N-B-R-I-E. And where can they find you, Christina? 
And you can find me on um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Miss Christina 617. That's M I S S K R I S T I N A 617. I will say one thing this makes me want to go back and revisit my old romance novels. I may pull one out tonight. <laughs> Until next time, guys. <laughs>